Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to a Thursday on The Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase. Let's head out to the West Her Hotline. Our guy Jeremy Kahn from the Big Bad Morning Show down in Baltimore. Odyssey Sister Station joins us right now to talk about the Ravens and what happened with them and what go, happens going forward. And I say it, I, I kind of have a deflating tone in my voice. We were all rooting for you here in, in Buffalo pretty much, uh, Jeremy, but uh, the Ravens have the same fate as the Bills losing to the Chiefs. Hope you're doing well. Hope you guys have recovered a little bit over there. Yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster week for uh, Ravens fans or Baltimore fans. With um, Obviously, people have seen the, what's yes. going on with last week, the Orioles being sold. And then the transition of that into Mike McDonald leaving and going to Seattle, which absolutely breaks my heart. So, I mean, we can go wherever you want, Sal, but it's been a, a really interesting week, to say the least. No no doubt. And uh, my co-host, Joe DiBiase, is with us as well here uh, on the on the line. So yeah, we'll talk about all of that. Is Very, he super sneaky? Very. At, at any given chance, any uh, opportunity that presents itself. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let me let me start this. And you're right, because Joe and I were talking. we got so much we can talk with you about. So let me start with this. Here in Buffalo, it's like it, there's a macro and a micro of, well, the Bills just can't get over the Chiefs. They can't beat the Chiefs. It's the team. And then there's the Josh Allen can't beat Patrick Mahomes. And I just, I just think it's so stupid and ludicrous, right? Like, Josh Allen's amazing, and he's not losing to Patrick Mahomes. The team is. And now you have in Baltimore – What's going to be a two-time MVP, by the way, in Lamar Jackson here shortly. And I have no problem with him winning MVP, despite the great year that Allen had. I think I would vote for Lamar Jackson, given his regular season. Like, what, what is the narrative there, and how do you kind of combat that as far as the Ravens and the Chiefs and the AFC and Lamar and Mahomes? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I was a Peyton Manning guy. So, like, um, and I'm, I'm still a Peyton Manning truther, if you will, but uh, it's, I heard that narrative about not being able to win in the postseason. Then he finally wins the Super Bowl, and it's like, oh, they played the Bears. Then he gets to another one, they lose. See, I told you he can't win. Then he gets to another one and wins, but it wasn't because of him. Or you know, it's like the whole thing's crazy when people start building up these narratives in the postseason. But the talking heads keep pushing this thing, and then it just builds. And I think it just creates more pressure uh, for quarterbacks and coaches alike. And that's what happens. And the same thing you're talking about. I mean, Josh Allen, like he didn't do enough to win a game, and then left 13 seconds on the clock, and Kansas City finds a way to win. That's on him. I, I mean, I, I don't get that. The same way, like when I look at this offense this past week, I would have said, yeah, I wish Lamar would have ran a hell of a lot more. I don't know why they ran six times. It's the same exact story that we saw against the Titans in 2019. 
different offensive coordinators, same head coach, same spiel. Oh, maybe the game got away from us or they saw too many eight and nine man boxes and decided to throw. Um, but it's just frustrating because like, especially now it's probably how you guys felt. I don't know how you felt about this year's team, but you've had other teams where you're like, yeah, this is our year. Like we were saying in Baltimore, if not now, when you got the number one seed, whoever's coming yep. here has to come here. And then be honest with you, this is a, this was a special team offensively and defensively that just fell flat, had some turnovers. The ball didn't bounce their way. I'm not going to blame the refs. The refs made bad calls on both sides. They make good calls on both sides. It is what it is. But you know, the narrative sucks now that it's just going to keep building because if you don't make a run to the Super Bowl, you're more than likely going to be a losing quarterback in the postseason. When it comes to their game plan and the the amount of times they threw it versus they ran it, has there been like a good explanation for why that happened? Was it kind of what the Chiefs did defensively against them? Because the the sentiment and again the kind of the narrative out of that game was that Monken kind of panicked. Um, but of yeah. course, there's I know added context that's going to be needed for that. Yeah, no, I, I think there's uh, I think it's fair to say some of that stuff. I mean. Maybe panic's a strong word, maybe caught up in the game. And, again, it is two different offensive coordinators, but then it, it leads you to go, okay, why isn't the head coach saying something? Why aren't we running more? Because when you throw that much, you have the best running game in the league. And then you, you, you throw in a quarterback that can do it. I mean, you guys see it from Josh Allen. They're different styles of runners, but both are impactful in a game and can really change it with their ability to, to run with their feet. Like, the, the, the point is, like, when you look at a guy like Brock Purdy, they were running man defense against him. He'd take off a couple times and have these big runs. And everybody's like, see, he's very athletic. Well, you're not going to do that against zone, and typically Lamar's not going to see anything but some sort of zone or a quarterback spy if you mix it up. So I just it, – it is frustrating to look back at it, but, you know, we got the same answers in 2019 from Harbaugh. The game got away from us, and it was almost exactly the same thing. Run, run, pass. Oh, the run's not working. Well, let's try it out again. Run, run, pass with Gus. Oh, we didn't pick up the first down, so maybe the run game's not – it's just – it's kind of a weird thing, and I, I don't – buy into the excuses because this is the second time it's happened now well now they're going to lose mike mcdan mike, mike mcdonald excuse me their uh, defensive coordinator you just said a little while ago like, this is a, a pretty crushing loss we always hear about what a team is gaining in a coach right the seahawks what are they getting what are they losing in baltimore mike mcdonald oh my god kyle hamilton said he was the smartest guy in the room i've watched him for two years mm -hmm. and i don't get too bullish on uh players coaches at times with the whole genius label and stuff like that and I know we don't have a lot of young defensive geniuses in the league. A lot of teams that have hired defensive coaches, it's gone by the wayside because of the, the uh, ability to, to throw the football now and then the offenses. Now coaches are kind of looking for the offensive guys. I think they got an absolute gem. I think he did more. There's a lot of talent on the Ravens defense, don't get me wrong, but I think he did more with less. They had one of the best pass rushes, if not the best in the league statistically. And when you look at it, it's Jadavian Clowney, who, yeah, we know is good, but what have they said about him for a long time is that, he never gets double-digit sacks. Well, in this offense, or this defense, look at what he's done. Um, I mean, we bring in the, the ghost of, uh, why am I blanking on the cat from BYU now that came in and got him damn near double-digit sacks, Kyle Van Noy. They bring in Kyle Van Noy yeah. off the street in week five, and he winds up with, what do he finish with, nine sacks or something like that. So I think a lot of it's scheme. I just think he's a really sharp guy. Um, it's frustrating at what happened in the playoff game because they, they basically got death by a thousand paper cuts with them screening them down the field for two touchdowns, and that's all they needed. Um, but Mike McDonald, I think he's a genius. I think he turns them around. And it says a lot about Seattle, too, because I know they did some interviewing, but I really feel like they were waiting for him, mm -hmm. waiting for when the Ravens lost the pounce and they didn't let him get out of Seattle. They gave him a six-year deal. I think they got an absolute gem. Yeah, I was just, as you were talking about him, trying to think, like, when's the last time I've heard a defensive coach kind of being described this way where – 
you know, there's so many, the McVeighs and the McDaniels and the, there's a million of them on offense, 36 years old, youngest coach in the league, like defensive genius. I mean, it, it feels like he's in rare company for the, the way he's been talked about. Yeah, him and Brandon Staley, right? Those are the two? No, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, it could, you could wind up with a situation like that. What if, he's, what if he's not a great leader of men? What if he's not doing all these things? But when you hear the defensive players talk about him, they love him, and they feel like it's such a loss. Like Marlon Humphrey had a tweet saying, man, I didn't know that was going to be our last handshake. This sucks. And the Ravens have been – a couple of things that the Ravens have, have done very well over the years is their front office has done a good job at drafting. And when you look at it, too, people can question them in free agency and some of that and what they've done. But the other thing that they've done is, is basically grown coaches within. And I think the thought process is could be Anthony Weaver or Zach Moore taking over. Um, there was a lean today from one of the publications saying they think it's going to be Zach Orr. But these guys are all – they've played in the system. They kind of coach them up and they bring them through. They've always had good coordinators. This is the first one that I felt was really special that came through. Like when Wink left, I'm like, ah, I like Wink. He's got some great quotes. He's fun. Um, but when, when McDonald left, I was really hurt. I'm like, man, this sucks because replacing him is going to be difficult. Even if you bring in somebody that's really good, I still don't think they're McDonald. Yeah. So while, while we're on the defensive side of the football with them, um, what their off season's going to be like, I know just by looking at even their spot track page, the Patrick Queens, a free agent. Are, are you expecting that they'll keep him? Because what, whenever I heard their defense described, like why it was one of the best in football, one of the first things I always heard was how athletic their linebackers are, and obviously he's, you know, half that. Yeah, well, they drafted a guy, Trenton Simpson, last year who played some. Uh, in Week 17, you can really see him kind of, like, shining out there, looking like a, a, a really good player that they drafted that I think he was drafted to be Patrick Queen's replacement. So here, here's kind of what the gist is with them in free agency. I, I fully expect them to franchise Justin Matabike. You can't let that guy walk. He's special. Um, even if you get him for one more year and then he walks, but – and then you start looking at the others. Geno Stone, wouldn't surprise me to see Mike McDonald kick the tires and bring him in there. He had five interceptions early on in the season. Um, and then you start talking about a Patrick Queen, who's a really good player that really excelled next to Roquan Smith. I'm not saying buyer beware. I think he's that much better for playing next to somebody like Roquan, but I still think he's really good. And I don't know that they can pay two off the ball linebackers that type of money. Conversely, on the offensive side, I, I don't expect Odell Beckham back. He looked very dusty at the end of the year. There wasn't much separation. Uh, on top of it, you start looking at the offensive line. You've got four linemen. Um, you know, they've got decisions to make on Ronnie Stanley's cap hit as they were kind of alternating him because of his health with another offensive lineman throughout the end of the year, something I'd never seen done. Um, and then does Zeitler come back, who's been really good, or does he price himself out? Does he retire? Uh, and then you look at the rest of the offensive line. They have questions that they have about all of them, except for Tyler Lindebaum, who's under contract. We could see some jostling there and expect them to go heavy in the offensive line in the draft. By the way, guys, breaking news as we're talking here, just a little a little down the road from you over there, Jeremy, in Washington, Dan Quinn, new head coach of the Washington wow. Commanders. Uh, that is being reported by Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero. Your, uh, your live reaction here to that. Yeah, I think uh, somebody asked me, I said, I thought that was the best job on the market. And I know it sounds strange, but me new too. ownership, yeah. it's not yep. Dan Snyder. I agree. A ton of money to spend, yep. draft picks galore. I like Dan Quinn. I'm kind of surprised. I, I think they found the right one when they were looking at Ben Johnson uh, with the Lions and he turned them down. But it's just weird seeing Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll out there and Mike Rabel. They're not going to be coaching. Yeah, I Belichick especially, right? Like it, it maybe is more for him about what comes with 
hiring Belichick, right? Like power in the the personnel side and, you know, like age too. But it's not even just to me, you know, Jeremy, that he only got or that he didn't get a job. It's that seven teams that had openings decided not to even talk to him. Yeah, and you know, and and again, I think some of that we all thought that the Cowboys might make a move, and Jerry Jones had that weird statement about he could work with, uh, you know, um, he, he could work with a guy like Bill Belichick, um, and then they they bring back Mike, and I, I just didn't get it. Like, um, but that being said, it, it feels weird to see a guy that, you know, a couple of years ago we were saying, hey, should they name something after him, like that Lombardi Trophy thing? Should there be a some sort of defensive player that something named after bill belichick for how great he's been in this league even though it's been some dire years here the past couple mm-hmm. um, maybe he takes a year off and shows up somewhere maybe that's it i i don't know like i, I just see this youth movement going on in the league like for me i'd rather yep. kick the tires on a young coach and see what i get with them because there's been some special ones that we've seen here like i think mike mcdaniel's great i think sean mcveigh's great i mean there's a lot of great minds just matters if they get the right pieces in place and they can win um but there's a bunch of them all over the league yeah, you're right about that. Jeremy Kahn on the uh, Western Hotline. Last thing on the Ravens for me, you know, here in Buffalo, we went the whole year of people really wondering and questioning about Sean McDermott, despite all his success. In Baltimore, John Harbaugh has a Super Bowl. Of course, once you get that, you're kind of a made man. But it's kind of similar to where in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin, there's a lot of questions now because you're kind of so far removed from that. Where are fr- fans with Harbaugh and not having to get over that hump in quite a while is he just can he just have his you know can he just have the job for however long he wants because he has that Super Bowl I don't think so um you know there was questions we did three segments today no BS on did they make a mistake and let McDonald walk and not firing Harbaugh and keeping McDonald like, wow. we like fans okay. were talking about that and and I don't know that like for me uh, you know I, I've already told you guys how much I think of Mike McDonald like, I would have been okay if they had done that, and I understand that it sounds silly, but they can't do that. I mean, you can't, you can't let this guy walk now after what's gone on. He's been here for a long time. He's a great leader of men. I question some of the X's and O's stuff with him, um, and I also question, like, his clock management has just always been awful. Um, and I feel like he's kind of stuck in purgatory between being analytical and not. Like, he just he mixes it up mm-hmm. so much and what he wants to trust. And it's almost like he, when they're not getting the two two-point conversions or when they're not converting the fourth downs, all of a sudden it's like, now we could just go back to laying it up. Let's punt and kick field goals. Be who you are. If you're aggressive, be aggressive. Um, and, and, and I mean, not to the extent of Dan Campbell, because that's just silly. But that being said, I, I do think that you, when you look at a Ravens team now and the way that they're constituted, at some point you, start to, you have to question a little bit about Tomlin and Harbaugh. You can't live off of being – hey, you're, the story is I've been over 500 or at least 500 for however many years now. And and then when you look at Harbaugh, it's like, oh, yeah, you won a Super Bowl a long time ago. They were talking about firing him the year they drafted Lamar and Joe Flacco went kind of went into the tank that year. Then they start Lamar and make the playoffs, and it was almost like Lamar saved his job. So I do think he's a good coach. I think he would get another job tomorrow if he got fired today. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think he's 100% safe here especially after what's happened the past couple of years in the playoffs. Yeah, he you on the game management stuff, I was stunned to see this year he finished last on one of those charts on like win probability lost by game yeah. management decisions and in the past it feels like he's been one of the, you know, like the opposite of that. But last year it, or this season it definitely wasn't. Um yeah, if you if, if you look at those numbers too, they said something to the effect of like how many challenges he lost this year. Right. He threw the one on the one that was a uh, 
uh, it was called a touchdown. He threw a challenge on it, knowing that you couldn't. And then he came up with some lame brain excuse after the game of why he did it. Oh, we just wanted more time. We were going to call a timeout anyway. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you have moments like that all throughout the season. And to your point, if you look back at the regular season, if they fair catch the ball or if they don't fair catch the ball after uh, against the Colts, they win that game. They had another goofy game that they blew. And then you look at the two Steelers games, it's like they could have easily been undefeated this year heading into the postseason. I know like it's, it's, it's an ands, but a lot of it falls on them for self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Last thing for me on, uh, on Ravens, every day, because Gabe Davis is a free agent and the Bills were really lacking at the receiver position when Diggs kind of you know started to not play well in the second half of the year. So they basically have two options, draft or cheap free agent option. And you just talked, you mentioned Beckham a little bit earlier. So he's a free agent again. If it's a one-year cheap free agent deal, do you even think that's a good idea? Or did he look like to you that this is this is about done? It's about over for him. Well, look, I, I do think he's still a good receiver. And then I, I feel bad even like calling him Dusty because like it's what you've seen from him and what he is now. It's vastly different. He was not, he did not complain all year about not getting the ball. None of that. Like he was... I think he's matured, uh, so I, I definitely think it's not a bad – if you're expecting him to come in and be your number one, he's not that. Um, you know, if you're expecting him to come in and help you make some plays, be good in the red zone, maybe on third down, I think he can still do that. Um, he's still under contract here, but I, I can't imagine the Ravens bringing him back for a second year. Um, I think he's going to be one of those, you know, hey, thanks for coming out. We appreciate your time. And then they got to figure out, too, what they're doing with Rashad Bateman because he seemed very unhappy this year, almost like mm-hmm. the Hollywood situation from last year. So – if you're looking for a receiver, this should be a good year to look because there's a couple good names out there. But, but again, you're going to have to pay for them. And do uh, the teams like the Colts let Michael Pittman walk? Does Mike Evans walk from the Bucks? I mean, there's a lot of good names out there, I think. Bills at Ravens next year, by the way, on the schedule. All right, you said it was a bit of a roller coaster week, bittersweet as far as the Ravens and the Orioles. We actually have quite a few Orioles fans in Western New York, I'll even tell you, our uh, Sabres pre- and post-game host, Brian Koziel, is a very big Baltimore Orioles fan. So give uh, the Western New Yorkers here a little, you know, a kind of rundown of what has happened, what has transpired over the last little while with the Orioles and Angelos and the stadium and selling, just so we can kind of get up to speed and understand it a little bit better. Yeah, if Brian wants to come down for a game, uh, I'll give him tickets to Camden Yard, so tell him it's on me. Hey, we love hey, we Actually, you know what's funny, Jeremy? My wife, we go to, we're big Yankees fans. We go to Yankee Stadium every year. Oh. My Not wife said to me last week, she said, you know what? She said, this year I'd like to go to an away game. We should go to Baltimore. That's what she said to me. Camden Yards, and I know I'm biased, is the best ballpark in all of baseball. The one closest to it to me is probably PNC or if you look at Philly and San Francisco, but they modeled their stadiums mm-hmm. after Camden Yards. I don't think you're going to find a better ballpark to watch a game. That being said, with the Orioles, man, this is – you talk about being upset and waking up to some news where – Saw it going to bed, and it's like, is this from a – because John Aron used to work for, what, the Sports Business Journal, and now he works for someone else. Saw that he had posted something about him being sold, and we're like, okay, we just went through this not that long ago, and then John Angelo said he wasn't selling the team, and now obviously everything's changed. The the governor here and everybody else, the comptroller, and uh, some of the delegates are really pissed off at Angelo's because he lied to them um, in the dealings because they just got a bunch of money for from the stadium authority to build around the stadium and some upgrades for Camden Yards, things like that. Um, but everybody here is so excited with Ruben Steen uh, coming in. This is a guy that's been an Oriole fan. He's bringing in other investors along with him. He's bringing Cal Ripken back into the fold to be a part of it. Um, you know, there's some other interesting names out there, too, like Grant Hill's involved with this. So, And there's more and more names. We're waiting to find out what happens with the TV deal, but fans are so excited now. Now you have a guy that can hopefully keep these generational talents that you have because – 
I'm telling you guys, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, and the kid that can't grow a mustache, Jackson Holiday. Jackson Holiday is going to be an absolute superstar. And it wouldn't shock me to see Gunnar Henderson be, if not the best player, one of the best players in baseball. He's that good. So I, can you keep these guys is the big question. So fans are unbelievably excited. But anytime you guys want to come down and go to Camden Yards, just hit me up. Absolutely would love to. I will tell you, uh, we actually, the game we did go last year, we saw, I saw the Orioles July 4th, like they, Yankee, they split. We saw it like third and fourth or fourth and fifth or whatever it was. I will tell you, I have a 10 year old son, Jeremy. He plays baseball. He's, you know, travel baseball player and he's a big Yankee fan. But last year when he went for a haircut, he said, I want my hair to look like Adley Rushman. So he's a big Adley Rushman fan. He likes the way Adley Rushman looks, plays catcher. It's all, it's all good, man. So yeah, good, rising superstar there. Yeah, and I think, you know, like, so they were kind of modeling their team after the Rays and their business model. But, like, and that's fine. It, but with the Rays, you got to hit on every trade. You know, you got to hit on every move you make, mm-hmm. make the smart decisions with who you're signing. When you have Adley Rutschman coming up, and it's a couple years, and they've got decisions to make on some of their outfielders because this farm system's absolutely loaded. They've got a catcher in the minor leagues that's ranked in the top 10 of the farm system. Where are you playing him? <laughs> Baseo, this kid's, <laughs> he's fantastic. So, there's a this team's going to be really good for a long time. Well, I hate hearing that, Joe. I <laughs> Sorry, man. That. Hey, the yeah. ALE is no notice. It finally feels good to say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's not good news for the Yankees. That's for sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else, Joe? You got anything else uh, before we let Jeremy go? Uh, he does I a great job in the morning show yeah. down there. He just got through with his show. Jeremy, thanks, buddy. We will. I will definitely do that if we. Um, at the very least, next year, the Bills obviously in Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Like I said, we'll hook up, but um, would love to come see a game at Camden Yards. I'm really glad for the people of Baltimore that this is settled. I know it's been something you've been on uh, your minds out there for a while. And I, I do think, as much as I'm a Yankee fan, I think American League Baseball is so much better when the Orioles are a little bit better. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no. It's it's kind of that feel. Like We feel the same way here. You know, and I'm not just kissing ass because I'm on your guys' station, but like, yeah, I think I told right. you before, Sal, I kind of pulled for Buffalo. I was really rooting for Buffalo to win that game. So either way, I had somebody to root for in the Super Bowl because, you know, love the fans up there. I've got some Buffalo fans in my family. So, um, yeah, it does make it a little bit easier. And I, I hate seeing Patrick Mahomes in the big stage yet again. That guy's so freaking good. <laughs> and it drives me nuts. No doubt about it. Jeremy, thanks a lot. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way. Jeremy Kahn, he is the morning show host down in Baltimore at JCon2NSports at JConSports. Thanks, buddy. Be well. Anytime, guys. All right, thank you. That is Jeremy Cotton. All right, real quick, let's get to Carl in Connecticut. He's been waiting patiently through all of this. Go ahead, Carl. What do you got for us, buddy? Hey, guys. Nice to talk to you again. Good morning. Um, mm-hmm. Good morning. So, yeah, you know, it's just something that's been on my mind. I feel like uh, one thing McDermott's done really well, especially this year, he went out and he added a lot of depth, which is really, I think, incredible when you're dealing with, uh, you know, limited funds, let's just say. Um, but we clearly got tested in that department more than anybody can ever imagine. Um, so going forward, yeah, you know, I'm hearing a lot of talk, you know, I'm listening to you guys every morning and whatnot, you know, uh, we're aging out a little bit. We need to get some younger talent and, you know, groom them, let's just say. Um, but at the same time, I feel like we, you know, we, we, we go out there, we'll get some younger talent and we'll go out there and we'll pick up some decent free agency and combine. That's great. And we kind of did that last year, and this year we're going to focus on receivers is what, you know, we're, we keep hearing. Um, but it's just I can't help but feel in the past few years when we do that, it feels like 
we never use them or we underutilize them or we give them a year to kind of, especially the, the rookies, to sort of like warm up to our system or learn the system. I feel like this year we're in a little bit more of like a, I don't want to say panic mode, but we need to get them out in the field sooner than, than later. And again, hopefully we hit on them sooner. And uh, I just hope that we, we do that uh, because at the same time, there's a, a bit of a sense of urgency um, with McDermott because it, it, it's, it's sort of like a partial um, rebuilding, if you want to call it that, just because of the agency. So I guess the cut to the chase is I hope we utilize who we pick up, whether it's free agency or uh, young receivers in the draft sooner rather than later. And that's just my, that's just how I feel. I'd be curious to hear how you guys feel about that. And again, sales, I always say, put me on hold. There's a 30 minute delay. If I can listen. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. 32nd. I hope. Uh, I was going to say, I hope 32nd. Um, I mean, the point is right about this draft and Bean said it at his presser that this might be a situation where young players get pressed into roles quicker than they once would have. Where, like, look at the 2022 class. All of those guys that got drafted. I mean, Christian Benford with Sandy, because he came in right away and earned a starting job because of how good he was during that camp. But Kyrie Elam walked in as a first-round pick. They didn't need to play him right away. They let him develop. Uh, And that's still happening. But James Cook... Second-round pick. They didn't use him a lot. Wasn't a starter right away. Terrell Bernard was behind two linebackers. Didn't need to play right away. Shakir was behind guys. Didn't need to play right away. Like That's happened a lot in the past where guys get brought in in the draft, and it'd be nice if they developed right away and were able to perform right away, but it wasn't necessary. Now, I feel like more than ever, it's necessary, especially receiver and defensive line. Because I think those are tougher positions to go cheap and get a productive replacement, a productive fill-in guy. Safety, I think, maybe more than the other two. If they did a Taylor Rapp deal again, where that was, what, one year, three million bucks, two million bucks, and they can get something that suffices versus receiver or defensive line, if their plan is, well, our rookie's not ready, so we got this veteran that we had for two, three million bucks, that's a lot less likely to go well. I think you got to have rookies that are showing up ready to produce on this Bills team this year. We'll take a timeout. I don't know if you saw what Jerry Jones said. I want to kind of visit that a little bit. It's kind of interesting and odd, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really mean much to me, but I want to talk about that when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase with you on a Thursday. Hope you're having a great day today. Roman Wilson from Michigan. Every time I looked, he was getting open. He was winning vertically. He was winning horizontally. He was probably the smoothest player in terms of running routes. And then on the other side, in the next practice, it was Ladd McConkey. Both of these guys just consistently got open, created separation, and were getting it done on the field. Catching the ball, getting it low, getting it high, getting it... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All over the place for some of them. Who was that again? Yeah, Josh, you told me who that was. Jordan Vanek of the 33rd team. Senior Bowl going on. Senior Bowl this week, Joe. Mm-hmm. And um, we're working. I'm trying to get, um, trying to see if I can get Lance Zerline tomorrow. No promises, but we've been in contact. Okay. Lance is really good with this stuff. And he's been, you know, uh, over there at the Senior Bowl. Tomorrow, by the way, also going to have Pete Lembo on. Pete Lembo is the new head coach at the University of Buffalo. And uh, Pete, you know, brings with them a lot of experience from being in the MAC. Uh, he used to be the head coach at Ball State. Had some success there. He's went on. He's had a few few stops since then. Most recently, South Carolina assistant head coach. But tomorrow at this time, eleven thirty, we are scheduled to talk with new University at Buffalo head coach Pete Lembo. So, for all you UB Bulls or college uh, college football fans, whoever, just uh, make sure you're tuned in for that. Jerry Jones, did you read his quote? Have you heard what he said about next year, Jerry Jones? I saw his quote about. Seeing that he, see, him seeing that he could work with Bill Belichick, like he could see himself working with Belichick, but that's all I saw. Is that what you're what you're talking okay. about? I am not. There is another one. Okay. <laughs> he said, Jerry Jones says they will be going all in in 2024. They are not building for the future. They are going all in. Hmm. Like what have they been doing lately, Joe? Have they not say, been going all in? Yeah. How is that any different from what they've been doing? I mean. What what does he think they're gonna? Does he think people are expecting him to like trade Dak Prescott? Like what? Is, I don't know what he thinks people think the Cowboys are doing right now. Of course they're going all in. They're in. They're in their their quarterbacks older than you know Allen <laughs> right. and Jackson and Mahomes. Like Prescott's gonna be what thirty one, thirty two. Like it's time to get if they're ever gonna win with that guy. Like time's now to do it. Yeah. So his quote was, "We'll be going all in." This is uh, Clarence Hill Jr., Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Quote, I would say that you will see us this coming year not build it for the future. <laughs> okay. I, all right. I don't know, dude. Like, I, you haven't been doing that at all. Like, what is the difference? You kept Mike McCarthy, too. Right. So I guess the thing that would make me wonder why he's saying that is, right. is he implying they're going to go all out in free agency? Right. Because they, I'm looking right now, they are, they're one of those teams that's over the cap, but like the Bills, for instance, are 50 over the cap before, you know, Mm -hmm. making the restructures and whatnot. Dallas is 14 over the cap. Mm -hmm. So looking at Dak's contract, looking at some of the other ones, they'll probably extend CeeDee Lamb, I would bet, this year, and that will lower his cap hit. Kind of, you know, a very pedestrian look at their cap situation I feel like they can make mm-hmm. a big move or two so the only way his comment makes any sense to me is if that's what he means if he means hey agreed we're gonna go like hey Brandon Cooks wasn't bad for us um Michael Gallup's not bad but we're gonna let one of those two go and we're gonna go get Mike Evans for instance like that's the only way his comment to me makes sense agreed I'm not really sure kind of what the difference would be and what they're 
normally doing. That's an interesting division. I, I mean, the Giants took a big step back this year. Washington, we just got through discussing them. They just hired Dan Quinn, by the way, in case you didn't see that. Dan Quinn is going to be the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Um, it's still Dallas and Philly, I think. I am really intrigued about what happens with the Giants next year in that division. Because, like, if Joe, if they don't advance, if they don't get to the playoffs, I think Ryan Dable definitely might not be the coach in 2025. What would need to happen? You think if they just miss or like another, playoffs? another really bad season, does it have to be? Like, if they just miss the playoffs, is that it? Maybe, maybe. I mean, look, you have Wink Martindale leaves. There's this internal fighting. Obviously, there was some sort of not getting along, disagreement, things like that. I think it's even more about that stuff. It's not just this is a organization that um, those owners, they don't like stuff like that. They want to be a stable organization. They have been, but they haven't really been for the last several years, obviously, with some of the turnover. But I feel that if if they don't get Mm. into the playoffs next year, Barring some sort of really, you know, lots of injuries. They had a lot of injuries this year, but quarterback, they have to figure that out. Yep. You could be looking at Brian Dable, you know, being on the hot seat at least next year, at the very least. It might depend to, like, what's their offseason going to be? That's the GM and that's the team, I guess, more so. It doesn't even have to be Joe Shane. It could be the owner. Uh, I want to hear from them. Like, what do they consider this year to be? Are they all in for Mm -hmm. this year? Because it could go either way. They've got. Daniel Jones under contract at hold on to your hold on hold on to your butts for this one forty seven million dollar cap hit <laughs> this year, um, which is I think uh, the exact same as Josh Allen, and his dead cap hit figure is seventy million. So that he's there, but that doesn't have to mean I think that he is their long term plan. They set up that contract so that after this season. They can pretty much get out of it anytime they want. So they have the sixth pick. Do they think they can get their hands on Jaden Daniels? Do they think they can? They want to pick a Bo Nix or McCarthy, like one of these next-tier quarterback prospects in the draft? Because I don't think that's impossible. I might bet against that right now, but if they did that, then, of course, Dable can kind of do the, the song and dance of, well... Look, rookie quarterback, you got to give me another year. What are you supposed to expect year one versus almost like kind of the, the 2018 Josh Allen year. It's just like kind of delayed a year for the Giants versus if they go back in with just Daniel Jones and they make a draft pick that just helps them right now and they make some free agent moves and they win six games doing that, then I think that they probably tried something else at head coach. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And Saquon, right? Saquon, they have another another Saquon. decision to make on Saquon after they went through this last year, right? Yeah, I think one-year deal. Don't they probably either just try that again or let him walk? I mean, that running backs in general, though, like I don't know what to expect. Like, Will Barkley take another one-year deal? He might because right. it's not just him. It's Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler. Like, that's four or five big-name running backs that are all going to be looking for long-term extensions, and I guarantee there are not five mm-hmm. teams out there that are willing nope. to give a 27-, 28-year-old running back a multi-year deal. The Bills do not play the Giants next year. They do have a very interesting schedule. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, Joe, I told you at the outset of this show, I'm trying my best to kind of look forward and not back because I just can't – I don't want to – I'm holding off talking about the Super Bowl as much as possible, right? So, <laughs> yeah. when we come back, Joe DiBiase, Sneaky Joe, 
I'd like you during the break to pull up the Bills' 2024 opponents because I'm going to tell you this right now. Okay. I could make a case for like 10 of them to be in primetime next year. Let's check, pick that apart a little bit. Let's do that when we come back here on WGR. On the pocket. That's away from Chennault. He's trying to get after him for a second time, but the ball is thrown to the end zone, and it's caught Flowers with the touchdown. Jim Nance on the call, AFC Championship game, Ravens. They wound up losing that game, of course, to the Chiefs. Score a touchdown there. The Bills will be in Baltimore next year in the regular season. The Chiefs will be in Buffalo next year in the regular season. Joe, I am jacked about next year's road schedule, specifically, A, because of some of the cities, B, because... Like, weather isn't going to be much of an issue except for a few places. But, man, the schedule overall, holy cow. There's some names. There's some games. There's some great primetime possibilities. We are just over probably three months from learning, like, the entire schedule in early May. We know the opponents. But, like, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, if you look at that road schedule next year, Joe. I did this the other day when, uh, yesterday, when, when, when you weren't on. I mean, here we go. Ready? Texans Dome. Colts Dome. Rams Dome. Lions Dome. Seahawks, kind of a dome, but not bad weather. That's four domes, warm weather Miami, Seattle, where you're probably going to have pretty warm weather, and then Jets, Patriots, and Ravens. Like, yeah, I think the Bills, the point I made yesterday talking about it was the Bills are going to have a lot of games where they have a lot of opportunity to basically just run an efficient offense without worrying about weather. Yeah, the only road games next year where I think you could really get bad weather I mean, Baltimore is far, far enough north where you could get that always. Rain usually more so. Right. Um, although wind usually is not very much of a problem there. Then uh, you've got New England, of course. And I, w- I would put Seattle on that list. Like Seattle can have some bad weather games too. Sure. But right, otherwise, you're looking pretty wow. good. You're looking pretty good. This, yeah. The schedule, by the way, at first glance, I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really difficult schedule. And then the more I looked at it, I'm like, uh, not as hard as I think. Because the AFC South is in there. Okay. The Cardinals are in there. Like, it's uh, it's not like everybody on that that thing looks like. Oh, that's that's a daunting schedule beginning to end. The two teams in the Super Bowl are coming to Buffalo next year. The Forty Nine ers yep. and the Chiefs. I think those would be obviously prime time candidates, right? You always have home or away Jets, Patriots, Dolphins as prime time candidates. But Joe, I could make an argument for Bills at Texans prime time. Bills at Rams primetime, Bills at Seahawks primetime, Bills at Ravens, Bills at Lions. Like, all of these are possibilities. Yeah. The – it might right be better to – it might be quicker to point out the games that don't look <laughs> that very <aren't>. primetime worthy. <laughs> no, you're like, right. Like, I don't think the Titans or the Cardinals will be. I don't think uh, – yeah, probably not New England home, yep. next year, although you can always get those divisional Monday night games, right? Um, yep, yep. I guess really the rest. Jacksonville? Jacksonville, I might throw in there too. Yeah, that is not prime Maybe, time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just gave the case for the Colts. I don't know that the schedule makers will see it the way I do, where, you know, Richardson right. could be a really hot idea, but I bet they go into the year not getting that type of respect. So I probably would bet against the Colts game being prime time. And the rest, I feel like, are really possible. The rest of them. Even. Let's remember. The NFL scheduled the Broncos and the Buccaneers here in primetime this year. That's also true. <laughs> Forever now, I think we have to go, well, this is probably primetime, but you never know because Tampa came here with Baker Mayfield. On <laughs> Thursday on night. Thursday night, yeah. What? What are we doing? And then the, the Buccaneers, I'm sorry, the Broncos on a Monday night you know, came to Buffalo as well. What's the tougher 
team to play next year at the Packers or at the Lions for an, for for anybody? I might say it's a wash. I think both are really good and very set up for the future. I might even be tempted to say that Green Bay is tougher because mm-hmm. I really was impressed by Love, especially as the season went on. And remember, they were the youngest team ever to win a playoff game and the youngest team to make the playoffs since the 74 Bills. So right. think of those facts and remember that all those rookies, all those rookie receivers too, by the way, Jaden Reed, um, Wicks, who they drafted in the middle rounds, um, all those guys are going to get better. So And Love should get better. So I'm, I'm really wondering how high the ceiling is for Green Bay, at least with Detroit. I feel like that's about as good as they'll ever be, which is still great. Like they could win the Super Bowl being that good, but mm-hmm. when Goff's your quarterback, I feel like what they were this year is about as good as they're going to be. The reason I ask is there's three games different between the Bills and Dolphins. It's depending on where you finished. And for the Bills, they have to go to Detroit next year. For the Dolphins, even though they finish in second, they got to go to Green Bay, which might not be any easier than going to Detroit. You know what I mean? Especially if they go in December, if you're the Dolphins. Right. Yeah, the um, not playing that division though is pr- well. No, sorry, they do they do play that division. They play just Detroit, right? Play just one game. Just okay, play one game in that division. I was gonna say I might right. I might prefer that they're playing the NFC West over the NFC North. Yeah, and NFC that's North interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And then the other ones, but how about how about the Patriots? They finish in last. You're like, okay, we get we get three games for a last place schedule. Yeah, one of those games they get the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh. The wait, the Patriots get the Chargers Patriots. and Jim Harbaugh. Patriots oh. get yep. Yeah. So Harbaugh, the Chargers, one each team in the East will play one game against the West. For the Bills, it's the Chiefs. Yeah. For the Dolphins, it's the Raiders. For the Jets, it's the Broncos. And for the Patriots, it's the Chargers. Wow. How about the Bills, by the way, going back to SoFi Stadium for the third year in a row? Yeah, that's right. And still have never been to, unfortunately, obviously not this week either. Vegas. Right. No, no, they were in pandemic. Sorry. Pandemic, pandemic year they were. Yeah. That's right. None of those games none of those games go. happened. None of those games count. Yeah. They, we don't remember that <laughs> that's that right. happened. Well, I know what is happening. Sabres Live is happening up next here on WGR. One Bills Live after that. Joe and I will be back tomorrow here on the Extra Point Show. Tomorrow, like I said, I'm gonna hope. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there. Hoping to get Lance Zerline on the air, talk about the senior bowl and uh what's going on up there. And of course, you know, the Bills are very, very much been a team that drafts players that have played in the Senior Bowl. So it's very important uh, to kind of see what's happening there, especially with the wide receivers. And then tomorrow at 1130, don't miss it, Pete Lembo is going to join us. He is the new head coach at the University at Buffalo. Thanks for joining us today on a Thursday. Have a great rest of your day. Sabres Live up next year on WGR. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.